1: Welcome to another episode of Your Queer Story. I am your host, Evan Jones, and with me today, I have a Paul Hobbs. Paul, you've gotten much more attractive. I'm going to be honest, I never really wanted to fuck you before, but suddenly I do. (laughs) Um, My wife, Samantha, is with me. Hello. And Samantha's going to be joining me because we're in the midst of coronavirus, and so... In an attempt to keep up with social distancing, Paul and I have not met. Our other episodes are pre-recorded. And so Samantha is going to help us keep the podcast alive. Thank you for your sacrifice.
0: You can count on me, everyone. Thank uh, you
1: very much. That's right. Um, so we want to say welcome back. Um, just in case you haven't checked everything out, make sure you're following us on social media. We've been somewhat active. Um, you can follow us at Your Queer Story on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, basically anything else. Sometimes Paul th- posts things on Pinterest, but those are our three most.
0: Nobody goes on Pinterest. Well,
1: sometimes Paul does.
0: Well, I go on Pinterest, but but not for your queer story. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> Certainly not for your queer story now.
1: Yeah, what? Well, you don't go on social media for any of our stuff. <laughs> um, but... I don't have a Facebook, so no, she doesn't. She's one of those mm-hmm. people. Um, But, yeah, if you go on social media, you can find us at Your Queer Story, and you can follow us on those platforms. We have updates and such. Oops. We have updates and such on there. You can also check us out on Patreon. I always say it backwards. I think it's Patreon at Your Queer Story. Maybe it's Your Queer Story at Patreon. Just look for Your Queer Story on Patreon. You can find stuff. We haven't been able to do our Behind the Queens, but I have been doing my Coffee with Evan, and um, I have another free one. So if you just want to get another – like little taste of what you can get if you subscribe to our Patreon. There is another free coffee with Evan maybe on I there for you. Maybe I
0: should do a, a singing one for them.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe they really like that.
0: Yeah, I'll th- I'll put it together. Yeah, put it together. <laughs> what are you doing together. over here?
1: I don't know. I'm he's messing with the. Trying to
0: turn his volume up, but he's
1: loud no, I'm, enough. I'm not. It's not trying to. I want to make sure that it all comes across well. Okay. I don't want to record this yelling. whole thing and it'd be dumb. I can. I can I, I'm, I see you breathing on here. I don't know if I'm not supposed to see you breathing. You know what? I'm not the editor. I'm not going to mess with it. Paul does that.
0: All right. Well, the last question before we start on this <laughs> lesbian journey mm-hmm. is uh, how is quarantine with you? So yeah. let me let me fill everybody in. Quarantine with Evan is quite good. I'm very happy to be stuck at home with him. Um, he.
1: Yeah. That's all you have to say. Well,
0: I'm just thinking. I'm thinking he's eaten more sunflower seeds, which Mm -hmm. is more annoying. And I did all of the laundry, folded it all, put everything (laughs) away except for one basket full. And that basket five days later is still sitting upstairs. There's
1: not room for your clothes, Samantha. You really have no concept of the room in your drawers. There's plenty of room. If you didn't wear one pair of leggings every single day, just wear the same leggings. It's leggings. You have you have sixty pair of know, black but- leggings, and it doesn't matter, huh? The underwear. It's. Okay, don't say that on here. (laughs) That's because I don't wear underwear with them, so I go through them quicker. I still don't, but it's the same thing going in there. We're at Mm. home. If you're going out and about, Mm. I get it. If you're working, you're sitting at home.
0: Well, let me tell everyone that Evan did at least one dad thing yesterday, which was lay grass seed. Now he has a plan for the lawn. I do. Which is good. Oh, and I built a gate yesterday. She did. Talk about lesbian visibility. I built an entire (laughs) gate. (laughs) yes went to home depot bought the lumber measured it all out bought the latches hinges
1: bought it all our listeners aren't very surprised because they hear you constantly drilling or hammering something in the background every single week because you're so nice you wait until we're recording and then you decide that you're just gonna drill away at something build a cabinet it's my me time Yeah, that's her me time. So, And we really appreciate it because with the dogs barking and the planes flying overhead and boars scratching at the door and then you hammering in the background, they really get the full Jones-Taylor experience. So thank you, honey.
0: You're welcome, everyone.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so anyways, so this episode was originally scheduled to drop um, the week before the 26th because that was Lesbian Visibility Day. It was actually in the middle of Lesbian Visibility Week. But uh, the original Lesbian Visibility Day before it morphed into a week was uh, April 26th, which happens to also be some... Our anniversary. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. We,
0: I love you always forever, nearer, far, closer together.
1: That's our song. Yeah. So she's singing that. So that's the day that we got married. It wasn't, we didn't mean to do that. That was the last week in April. And we were trying to get as close to May as possible without crossing that threshold because it costs $2,000 extra to get married in May. And we didn't have that kind of budget. We didn't have the budget for the wedding that we had, but. It was very beautiful. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. And so I figured what better way to celebrate lesbian visibility than to invite my own favorite lesbian on to the show. And so we're going to talk about one of the most important moments in lesbian visibility history. And then also I'll probably randomly ask Samantha some questions. I know a lot of people have questions about what it's like when you're a lesbian and you marry someone who later transitions. That's fun.
0: I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> There's an
0: entire group of us that go to the trans conference every year. So that's (laughs) That's right.
1: Yep. They've got a whole support group because it's a big (laughs) thing. Like, you know, this identity that's built in and then it changes. We'll get to it, you know. So stay on track. I don't. Okay, I don't stay on track. That's the point. That's why people love it. All right. So we're talking about the well of loneliness and I'm going to ask my wife to begin.
0: She broke off abruptly and they stared at each other. Do you know what they're saying? Angela whispered. And Stephen answered, I know that I love you and that nothing else matters in the world. Then, perhaps because of that glamorous evening with its spirit of queer, unearthly adventure, with its urge to strange, unendurable sweetness, Angela moved a step nearer to Stephen, then another, until their hands were touching. And all that she was, and all that she had been, and would be, perhaps even tomorrow, was fused at that moment into one mighty impulse, one imperative need, and that need was Stephen. Stephen's need was now hers, by sheer force of its blind and uncomprehending will to, will to appeasement. Then Stephen took Angela into her arms, and she kissed her full on the lips as a lover. Plot twist. Stephen must identify as a female.
1: Stephen is a female. Stephen was given a male name because her parents didn't want to. They'd already picked out the name Stephen, and then she was (laughs) born a girl. And then they were like, much like my great-grandparents did with my grandmother, her name is Johnny, because they were like, we're going to call this boy Johnny. And then she came into the world, and they're like, fuck it. Her name's Johnny. (laughs) And that was it. So today we are covering possibly the most well-known lesbian novel of all time, The Well of Loneliness by Radcliffe Hall. This episode was previously scheduled to drop, as I said, during Lesbian Visibility Week. Um, so, we th- th- so though it is a little late, today we are spreading awareness and visibility of lesbians all around the world. It's never too late, okay? It doesn't have to be confined to one day. We can, do, we can be aware of lesbians any time we want. But also, sorry it had to drop late. Blame it on the virus. And on Trump, why not? Um, There is no way there is no better way than to do so than to uh, address the first modern instrument used to bring widespread visibility to lesbians. I went way off on the script, but we're back. Go ahead.
0: Radcliffe Hall's infamous novel has been steeped in controversy and criticism since its publication 92 years ago. The story is based on masculine or butch lesbian named Stephen, who is born into immense wealth and privilege, yet feels like a constant outsider in the world around her. Stephen comes of age grappling with the parts of her that are in- different, but is encouraged by her father to embrace her boyish side. She takes up riding, fencing, and lifting weights, much to the dismay of her mother and her neighbors. In addition, she rejects the effeminate attire of the day, instead preferring a man's shirt and tie paired with a straight, skirt a short straight skirt why would you do that to me anyway which was it's hard to say short straight skirt well that's what she wore
1: Short straight skirt
0: which was the preferred style of many lesbians during the mid 1900s and they often used as a code to signify their sexual leanings
1: yeah so um like i said it's a, I'm not there's not really any spoilers but um yeah she's this wealthy young woman and she everything i don't it's like it's uh, it's hard because part of it is like it's in the 1920s and so you you did try really hard but also is very very masculine She was very masculine and that's why some people have argued that steven might have been transgender but i also think you have to put in the the time period and the fact that uh, you had to be one or the other you had to be very feminine and be attracted to <clears throat> men or you had to be very masculine and attracted to women
0: i also think that back in the earlier time periods um even with the show um Gentleman Jack, which who does that um Boris get out. Yeah, Sorry.
1: I forget that's Ann Lister. That's who it was. But that's yeah. what that. like 100 years before Stephen. Okay,
0: but st- regardless, with, with lesbians that were, you know, identify, maybe now would identify as butch or were dressing in more masculine attire, back then it was so absurd that a woman would like a woman that I feel like even if you were like the most <laughs> flamboyantly lesbian, butch, proud, kissing a woman in the street, people would be like, oh, that's nice that they're good friends. Like yeah. It just wasn't... It, it almost... You almost could... Probably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a historian. Nor do I know much. But I just assume that you could be even more bold because the idea that two women would be together was just so outrageous that...
1: Yeah. You no, know? that's fair because even in the book, I mean, it's very obvious. Like it says, like, Stephen... I, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Like, you know, obviously lifting weights doesn't mean that you're going to be attracted to uh, women but it's just like everything that Steven did from the time that she was like when she's a little girl she beca- gets a big crush on the maid and like falls in love with the maid the maid is a lot older than her but she walks around dressing like a boy she gives herself I think uh, Nelson is a name that she gives herself and she when she's Nelson she dresses like a boy and she acts like a boy and she tells the maid that she loves her and uh and and but even like through her entire life, though it's obvious that she doesn't fit in with other girls. When she tells her mother that she's gay, her mother's still like, What? How could you? I, I don't see it. It's like my mom when I told her. And she's like, never saw it. No signs whatsoever. I'm like, OK, mom. Sure. Fast forward
0: to looking at every baby picture as Evan when he's dressed as a cowboy, <laughs> dressed in Batman shirts, dressed as uh, Superman. Superman, Yeah, you yeah. name it. Yeah. You name it. A carpenter yeah. with your little carpenter sash That's on. true. The fact that, that I, I only that ever asked
1: for men's like toys and, mm. and clothing, but never saw it coming. Completely blindsided. Shocker. Um, so along the way, Stephen also develops crushes on different women and falls deeply in love with a few, including an older married woman who later out Stephen, uh, to save her own self. Later, Stephen moves to Paris where she becomes a celebrated author and settles down with a beautiful young girl named Mary. They're happy for many years and build a family with their little dog named David even forming a troop of other queer friends who become their chosen family. But tragedy strikes and leaves poor Stephen alone at the end, begging God for the right to exist. The final lines end as such.
0: God, she gasped, we believe. We have told you we believe. We have not denied you. Then rise up and defend us. Acknowledge us, O God, before the whole world. Give us also the right to our existence. The book was a loose metaphor for Hall's life. As she, too, was an open bush lesbian who went by the preferred name of John in private settings, the hope was to bring awareness to the inverts of the world. This was an old term that impru- implied that a person attracted to the same sex did so because they were actually the opposite sex, or perhaps they embodied both sexes. The theory of sexual inversion was first developed by notorious sexologist Havelock Ellis, and further Im- expanded by Richard von Kraft Ebbing and Carl Heinrich Ulrich, the later often explaining that male inversion was a woman's soul confined within a man's body. In fact, Ellis and Ebbing are repeatedly referred to in The Well of Loneliness as Hall relied heavily on their work for her own understanding of her identity.
1: Yeah, during the, that time, um, you can see that picture of Radcliffe Hall in there. Oh, I, ugh, yeah. the
0: dog. Jeez, but The dog is
1: adorable. Mm-mm. OK, so first... That dog wow.
0: snores when it sleeps. I'm sure, but it's huge. Nope. I'm gonna pong. go let our dogs in. Talking about our dogs, and you can continue to say whatever. you want Oh, good.
1: Just I'll to just name. keep talking. You didn't have to let people know that you were leaving the studio. Anyways, um, the thing about have like all have Black Ellis and uh, Ebbing like those were the scientists of the time. Even today, they still heavily impact us. So if you're reading anything about sexologists, you're gonna read about Ebbing, Ellis, and um, and er- Ulrich, Erich, we talked a lot about him. He's the one who had uh, the uh, Institute of Sexology burned down by the Nazis. So, um, we, so when we're studying, the, these names come up again and again. And this was how Radcliffe Hall and many uh, LGBTQ plus people understood themselves. And when that's the science of the day, that's the science that you have. That's how you're going to that's how you're going to perceive who you are. This is what the leading doctors of the day are saying and so this is how people view themselves based on the science and the medicine of their time. Anyways, so Havelock Ellis even wrote his comment Havelock Ellis even wrote this commentary at the beginning of The Well. I have read The Well of Loneliness with great interest because apart from its fine qualities as a novel by a writer of accomplished art, it possesses a notable psychology. It possesses a notable psychological and sociological significance. So far as I know, it is the first English novel which presents, in a completely faithful and uncompromising form, one particular aspect of sexual life as it exists among us today. The relation of certain people who, while different from their fellow human beings, are sometimes of the highest character and the finest aptitudes, to the often hostile society in which they move presents difficult and still unsolved problems. The poignant situations which thus arise are here set forth so vividly that yet with with such complete absence of offense that we must place Radcliffe Hall's book on a high level of distinction. So again... That's Havlock Ellis writing at the very beginning of The Well of Loneliness. The fact that he wrote um, a uh, commentary at the beginning was huge at the time.
0: Despite being backed by one of the most prominent sexologists of the day, The Well of Loneliness sparked international outrage. This had been expected by both Radcliffe Hall and her publisher, Jonathan Cape. She wrote to Cape, I must put my pen to the service of some of the most persecuted and misunderstood people in the world. So far as I know, nothing of this kind has ever been attempted before in fiction. Adding, I am taking a great personal and cultural risk. But even though he was aware of what could happen, Kate took the leap of faith. Just 33 years before, Oscar Wilde had been imprisoned for homosexuality. Hall had been 15 years old at the time. And the young publisher was sure the book stood in defiance of the Obscene Publications Act of 1857. Still, together, the brave duo brought the well of loneliness to the world
1: so again you imagine what it's like when you're 15 years old and you see a man who's one of the most well-known authors in the world go to prison for homosexuality and that's still fresh in your mind
0: remember when you're a child and you see Ellen DeGeneres's show get canceled, get canceled right? and, and she goes away for 15 years exactly <laughs> however long well it
1: wasn't 15 for. years but yeah she like fades <laughs> off the face of the earth for several years and then you know but yeah, to see that and then to go, you know, and now, and it's not like life had gotten much better, at least in our time. Like we saw Ellen or you saw, I didn't know who Ellen was, but you <laughs> saw Ellen go away. And then you see like, you saw like this big push and then she gets her own television show. Mm-hmm. But like she sees uh, Oscar Wilde go away to prison and then nobody talks about it again. Nobody can write because you it's banned to write. Yeah. Within 30 days of its publication, open calls for censorship began to rise from critics. In mid-August, the Sunday Express printed a scathing article by editor James Douglas, who proclaimed, proclaimed, I would rather give a healthy boy or a healthy girl a file of prussic acid than this novel. Douglas even went so far to contact conservative Home Secretary Sir William Joyson Hicks and drew a public rebuke of the novel from the government official. In addition, the editor published pictures of Hall in her scandalous masculine attire and cropped the picture of her skirt so that many assumed she was wearing pants. <laughs> though it was no longer illegal for women to wear pants in public. And even though World War I had brought a short wave of popularity to the trend, it was still considered distasteful for a woman to prefer pants over skirts and dresses.
0: Where did you find this newspaper clipping?
1: I found it online. I do research. Oh, I am well aware of the research. Oh, I'm so sorry that it bothers you. (laughs) Is the cat outside? No. Okay, go ahead.
0: What are the dogs doing?
1: Um, Hitchcock is rolling around on the ground, and I'm assuming, I can't see Stewie, but I'm assuming he's sniffing, guarding the fence from whatever might come in.
0: All right. However, Cape was familiar with controversy around his publications. He was also the publisher for Ulysses, uh, author James Joyce, and future Bond creator Ian Fleming. Both men had controversy surrounding their work, and Fleming's early novel, State of Excitement, had been banned pre-release in Kuwait for its criticism of the Kuwaiti, Kuwaiti. Kuwaiti government. Sorry. Thus, stopping full-out production altogether and making the legacy of this forbidden book more prominent than the actual book itself, which is often the case with respect to banned literature.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a person who grew up in a world where they for, they forbid you to read books, mm-hmm. it only makes you want to read them even more. Although I could never quite get my hand, I could never quite get my hands on them, but I wanted to read of mice and men so much because oh, that's uh, banned. That was, that was, well, in my world. I know, but what yeah.
0: was wrong with it?
1: Oh, 5,000 things. Actually, I think of Mice and Men was banned in parts of the America for a couple of years. Oh. Um, and, of course, mm-hmm. The Catcher in the Rye was banned, which I wanted to read so bad. And I read it recently, and I could not have been more disappointed.
0: No, let me tell the true story. Evan read The Catcher in the Rye <laughs> in one day yesterday. I had told him months and months ago when we were at the bookstore, oh, get this book. It was really cheap, under 10 bucks, And I was like, I really liked it in high school. He had never read it. It's a classic. Why don't you give it a try? So yesterday he decided to pick it up. And on the ride to my parents' house for for a little quick visit, um, all Evan did the entire ride was just discuss how The Catcher in the Rye was an awful book. So I guess how I want to end this is that I think when you read The Catcher in the Rye in your 30s, it's just annoying. But when you read it, I think when you read it as a teenager, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Whatever. I I,
1: I heard that, too, because I asked some people about it on Facebook and people who had read it in their teens were like, I really loved it. And people who had read it out of their teens were like, I hated it Uh, because it's just so horribly written. And. I know that it's supposed to. It's coming from a teen and how a teen talks, but I just I couldn't hear the kid say the words "phony" one more time, and I couldn't hear <laughs> He's him. So annoying. I couldn't hear him be like, "Oh, you know, oh that that knocked me out." That's he said that a lot. Like if so, he thought something was funny, that knocked me. Out. I I could not stand the kid. He was so self absorbed, and I get it. Like it's a teenager, they're self absorbed, but I just I couldn't read it. Like if you told me you're like, I'm gonna write this from the teen's perspective. You know, I, I don't know. I could not stand it. I kept waiting for it to get better. It never got better. People said the ending was really great. I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, but I will tell you this. I'm not ruining anything for you if I did tell you the ending. Um, I just, and I felt like um, it was supposed to, like, people had tried to interpret it and make it really deep and really... Um, Like, like you just don't get it, but I don't think that's it at all. I think it's a shitty book that became very popular. And so people tried to find deep meaning in its shittiness. And I will stand by those words.
0: Okay, getting back to The Well of Loneliness, it was was, a banned
1: book. And I loved The Well of Loneliness, by the way. Loved it. Yes,
0: he couldn't stop talking about that either.
1: So even if a book has no literary merits, like The Catcher in the Rye, (laughs) the very fact that it's forbidden makes people want to read the work. In episodes 16 and 17, we covered the Marquis de Sade's writings, many of which were often more a juvenile's wet night terror than an actual work of literate extents excellency still the fact that the books were so heavily restricted censored and publicly denounced made the public desperate for copies and when a book is truly truly brilliant and also strictly re- forbidden as in the case as in the case for writings like Uncle Tom's Cabin Scrapes of Wrath and The Color Purple that work takes on an almost supernatural potency which is exactly what happened to The Well of Loneliness many argue that Douglas Many argue that had Douglas left the novel alone, it would have obtained moderate success. But instead, the Sunday Express editor made the book notorious by publishing Radcliffe Hall and Jon, by pushing Radcliffe Hall and Jonathan Cape to trial for obscenity. Sorry I ran through that. It was a good paragraph and I messed it up. The point is you make it forbidden. It makes it notorious. <clears throat>
0: By November of 1928, just two months after the Wells publication, Hall and Cape found themselves in serious hot water. The publisher had halted the production of the book in England due to harsh backlash, but attempted to circumvent the system by moving publication to France. However, he was thwarted by after a few weeks when British customs brought charges against Cape and claimed the book tended to corrupt those whose minds were open to a moral influence. As a response, the young publisher reached out to 160 potential witnesses to help defend against censorship. Among them were T.S. Eliot, H.G. Wells, George Bernard Shaw, and many other prominent names of the day.
1: However, however, more than 100 declined the plea for help, much to the irritation of their queer counterparts, as such as fellows like Virginia Woolf and her lover, Vita Sackville-West. Woolf wrote about their cowardly excuses to her nephew,
0: Most of our friends are trying to evade the witness box for reasons, as you may guess, but they generally put it down to the weak heart of a father or a cousin who is about to have twins.
1: In truth, Wolf found the well of loneliness very middle brow, an insult she perpetuated which mocked any piece of literature or art that was popular since... That was popular simply because the masses had decided it should be. A middle brow is an individual who bases their choices on how it makes them look and not on what they truly find beautiful or valuable, which was probably the most insulting thing that I read in all of this is that Virginia Woolf thought that the well and loneliness was middle brow. I don't know. You know what, though? Virginia Woolf was very pretentious. Good writer. Very pretentious.
0: I don't know anything about her. Even though she was not a fan of The Well, Wolf still saw the importance of fighting censorship and she understood the impact of popular lesbian romance could have on society. Well, we're still not getting popular lesbian romance in society, (laughs) let me tell you right now. Anyway, (laughs) back to this era. Actually, Wolf had her own work at stake. The same month Jonathan Cape was arrested for defying the Obscene Publications Act, Wolf had self-published her infamous gender-defying story, Orlando which has rivaled The Well for nearly a century in a battle for the most influential LGBTQ plus novel of modern times.
1: Yeah, I don't... Personally, I think that she was a little threatened by The Well. I don't know. I yeah. haven't read Orlando yet. I had it. I checked it out of the library, and then I had a stack of books, and I didn't get to Orlando. But it is on my list to read, so maybe I'll think it's better than The Well. Or maybe I just really relate it to The Well because I relate it to, like... The way Stephen feels so rejected by society. I don't know what Orlando's like. So I'm not going to say which one's better, but I. You could get it as an ebook. I could get it as an ebook.
0: I'm really obsessed with the ebooks now that um, we're in quarantine and our library is closed. And I don't know. I've requested four ebooks. Mm-hmm. Let, uh, listen, everybody, let me tell you the story about my ebooks. Oh, good. I requested four, I put them on hold. Mm mm-hmm. um, all really good, you know, good books. Um, and uh, there's a wait list, and so now I started another book because none of them came off the wait list. So I'm, I started my new book, and now they're all coming off the wait list. But I'm reading a book, oh, wow. so now the pressure is on to finish my book because now I have I'm gonna have a backlog of all these yeah. books I put on hold.
1: Yeah, you were telling me about your, that pressure the other day.
0: I don't know. So I anyway I have to I have to just try to figure out maybe I can get off the hold list and then get back on the hold list in like a couple days. No,
1: I don't think so. Once you're off the hold list, you either read it then or you're done. That's how it works.
0: You can can return
1: it and hold it as many times as you want. Well, yeah, you can, but you're going to have to wait again. I know, I got to go
0: to the back of the list. I wish there was like a, you're still going to get it, but we'll give you a couple days button, but there's not.
1: It's like getting out of line. You know what you really should tell people is about how you tried to get your mother to figure out how to download eBooks, but never could. No, that didn't go well.
0: <laughs> all right. right. I'm going to get the dogs.
1: Oh, you're going to get the dog. I'm going to pause it for a second because uh, the dogs are really bad. Scientists, publishers, and authors all convened at the courthouse on November 9th, 1928. A total of 57 witnesses had answered Cape's call for support and 40 showed up to speak at the trial. A week later, on November 16th, Chief Magistrate Sir Chartres Byron, that's not a spelling error, his name is Chartres ruled that the well of loneliness was indeed obscene and violated British laws. He mocked the idea that the well did not defend inverts and was offended by Hall's claim that those who opposed homosexuality were prejudiced. Byron stated in his ruling... The book is presented as a tragedy, that people who indulge in these vices are not tolerated by decent people. They are not received in society, and they are ostracized. There is not a single word from the beginning to the end of this book which suggests that anyone with these tendencies is in the least blameworthy. All characters in this book who indulge in these vices are presented to us as attractive people and put forward for our admiration. 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 And those who object to these vices are sneered at in the book as prejudice, foolish, and cruel. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, obviously they're not cruel.
0: You love a good accent, don't you?
1: I do like a good accent. And I can only do two of them. I can do half of an Australian and half of an English person. So let me do them.
0: All right. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Well,
1: you don't get it. Go ahead.
0: The blow was deep, not only for Hall, but for many writers across England and the world. Wolf paired with E.M. Forster to publish a rebuke of the ruling in The Nation and the An- Antenaeum.
1: Antenaeum? Anth- I, I, I don't know what it is. Antenaeum? I don't know what
0: Phonetics it is. Phonetics would have been helpful. Well, <sighs> it's spelled A-N-T-H-E-N-A-E-U-M.
1: I so, think it's Antenaeum because I've heard that before. The Nation Antenaeum. But you know what? I'm probably wrong. Okay.
0: I'm going to read this section and then I have an aside to say to the viewers. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Novelists in England have been forbidden to mention lesbianism. Although forbidden as a main theme may it be alluded to or ascribed to subsidiary characters. Writers produce literature and they cannot produce great literature until they have free minds. The free mind has access to all knowledge and speculation of its age and nothing cramps it like a taboo. A novelist may not wish to treat any of the subjects mentioned above, but the sense that they are prohibited or prohibitable, that there is a taboo list, will work on him and will make him alert and cautious instead of surrendering himself to his creative impulses. And he will tend to cling to subjects that are officially acceptable, such as murder and adultery, and to shun anything original, lest to lead him into forbidden areas.
1: I like their burn. Like it's perfectly um, okay to talk about murder as much as you want. You can make something bloody and gory, but if you want to talk about two women in love, well, suddenly you can't. I know. What was the thing that you had to say to the?
0: Oh, I just had to say that um, the the person's name uh, and the aforementioned part was E. M. Forster, Mm -hmm. which reminded me that we bought a Subaru (laughs) Forster during Lesbian Visibility Week, and thank you. And that is all.
1: Good, thank you, honey. <laughs> it's very important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, across the sea in America, plans for publication of the well ground to a halt. Alfred Knopf was afraid the book would immediately be banned and came and would come at a and come at a cost loss for him. So instead, a small startup company, later known as the notorious Viking Press, ran run by Pascal Covici and Donald Freed, brought the rights to the well for $10,000, a little over $130,000 by today's standards. They were promptly arrested and sued, but the printing plates were secretly moved around the country and the book continued to be printed. The book sold for $5 with the average price of a novel at around $2 at the time. And even with the risk and the increase in price, more than 100,000 copies were sold in the U.S. in the first year. So they would just kind of move this printing press. They would do this with banned books. So like you might get arrested in New York, but then by now the printing press is in Alabama. So you have to get arrested in Alabama and then you got to get arrested in this state and so they could move it around and they would sell it and of course because it's banned people have to have it
0: it's so much work to print back
1: then oh yeah okay
0: The Well of Loneliness would continue to sell 100,000 copies in American in America sorry Sorry. the person that wrote the script messed up (laughs) in America every year for the next 40 years despite its controversies Freed and Viking Press had been cleared of their charges during the U.S. trial but the book was still considered taboo In Europe, publications in France and several other countries made their way to the UK, making the book incredibly popular, even though it still could not be published in its country of origin. What is most interesting is that similar books about lesbian romances such as Wolfe's Orlando, Compton Mackenzie's Extraordinary Woman, and Elizabeth Bowen's The Hotel were not banned, even though they were printed the same year as Hall's novel and also centered around same-sex romance. It is no doubt that Rodcliffe's persona and outward defiance of gender norms played heavily into the publicly cam- publicity campaign waged against the well.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you have to look, um, someone like, uh, even though um, Virginia Woolf's Orlando, just, I, again, I haven't read it, but I know about it. I mean, it talks about a person who changes gender throughout centuries, like they keep coming back in these different mm-hmm. lives. But Virginia Woolf, A lot of people didn't know that she was a lesbian at the time or it was very kept under wraps and she was very feminine presenting. Um, And same thing with uh, Elizabeth Bowen. Mm -hmm. So even though they wrote about these things, but then you have someone like Radcliffe Hall who walks around in her her suit top and her tie and lives openly with her lover. So
0: offensive to people. So offensive. They have to look at her.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And she's got her short cropped hair and and her dogs. And so you know people were offended so you like i really believe that was a huge part like radcliffe hall just her existence offended people and so that's why she was called out so heavily and that's why her book was banned so hard mm-hmm. where like you have the same things going on that year printed by other people and it's not being banned for her part radcliffe hall went on to become a literary icon and a lesbian hero hero she and her lifelong partner, Una Trubridge, settled down in London in 1934. John Radcliffe also fell in love with the Russian immigrant, Evgenia Selene. I don't know. It's Evie. That's not Eugenia. A,
0: Eugenia, Celine. Eugenia.
1: Eugenia Selene. While Una was hurt by the relationship, she tolerated it for Hall. The three women would live together for the next nine years until Radcliffe's death in 1943 when she died of colon cancer. She left all of her belongings to Una with the stipulation that an allowance be given to Eugenia, which actually... Uh, so Radcliffe... So previously Radcliffe's... Um, Will have been split between the two women, mm-hmm. and then on uh, a very last minute, um, uh, last minute note, which okay. who knows if it even was. Very Carol Car- Baskin. I was about to say Carol Baskin. In a <laughs> last minute note, it changed all to Una, and she did give uh, Eugenia like an allowance, but it was very small. It was supposed to be a reasonable one, but it wasn't a reasonable. And I don't understand the whole allowance thing, anyways. Like people. Nobody worked. If you were, like, a certain class, you just didn't work. You just got money, and mm-hmm. everybody gave you an allowance. Yeah, but
0: Eugenia was an immigrant, so she, her, she probably wasn't getting money.
1: Well, no, I know, but I'm just saying she lived with Radcliffe Hall for nine years, and she was obsessed with her, so like I would think that she would get a reasonable allowance. How's Eugenia going to live? Hmm?
0: I don't know. <laughs> okay. <sighs> The book itself continues to be a giant in literature. It is steeped in controversy, just as it always has been, though today it is for different reasons. At the time of its release, there were already grumblings in the queer community about the self-hatred directed at protagonist Stephen. Even then, it seemed that there was no need for Hall to be so tragic. While pleading for acceptance and visibility, she repeatedly Malines. Malines. Malines Stephen as repulsive, a monster who's ugly and disfigured. This self-inflicted tragedy at the end was also unnecessary and implies that queer people should sacrifice their happiness and well-being for the tolerance in society. So are you saying more there that she was self like self-loathing radcliffe
1: was well i mean i think maybe like 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 the psychological thing of radcliffe coming through but the character steven is very much like i'm hideous i'm ugly there's something wrong with me i don't Mm -hmm. i'm a monster but you know accept me anyways
0: yeah but also in the early 1900s isn't that what you'd be thinking if you're
1: well, the thing is you assume people would, but the reality is that a lot of people were like living in that time period were offended by it. Like people like Virginia Woolf mm-hmm. or Vita Sackville um, West where we're like, I'm not going to hate who I am. I love who I am. Mm-hmm. So like we, we assume, I mean, I do think there was more tragedy around it. Yeah, but, but
0: Virginia Woolf was also walking around with her like, you know, bit of privilege there. So I don't well, know. Well,
1: she was, yeah. And It's
0: different to be like... Well, the character of Steven, right, is towing that gender norm line. And there's very difference between, like, I mean, if I go to, like, stop and shop mm. and somebody walks in and is like, who's getting here? I I can just, like, not say anything and keep walking. And never, nobody's yeah. going to be like, you, get on the floor. I don't know. That, I just made that whole scenario up. No, but I just know saying, saying. I have the privilege to, like, hide my sexuality if I want to. Yeah. You know, especially because I'm married to a man. But.
1: I think that's fair. I think it's also fair that like... I don't know. It was just... There was this... At the end, I don't want to ruin it, but there was like this this self-sacrifice that Stephen does at the end that I felt was unnecessary, even mm-hmm. in 1920s. Oh. It was just... But I know like... I do. I think there's a balance. I don't think. I think it's easy to say you don't have to hate yourself when you're living in a society that can either imprison you or lock you up in asylum and give you an a, a lobotomy. You can still get like mm-hmm. the lobotomies were at their their height of mm-hmm. of um of popularity at the time. Mm-hmm. And so like there's that, and then there's also how much self loathing is necessary. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna live your life, Stephen, then fucking live your life. She, lives her, she decides she's going to live her life openly but also hates herself constantly for living her life openly.
0: I, I must say I did not read this book. Although yeah. the book was gifted to me. Thank you, <laughs> Dan Zavala Rossi. Yes, and um, I did read the book, and, Dan. So thank
1: you for gifting it to Samantha. Know, right.
0: Um, and... Uh,
1: So, all right. So, the embrace of the theory of inversion in the well has contributed to much of the criticism by the LGBTQ plus community today, due to the fact that the theory repeatedly conflates gender with sexual orientation. Though this seems a bit unfair, as with as that was the science known at the time. Many sexologists that studied inverts also advocated for ending the criminalization around homosexuality and encouraged acceptance by society. It was because of scientists and doctors such as Ellis, Ebbing, and Ehrich that we were able to break through centuries of silence and ignorance. So I do think that was unfair. When people look back and they're like, well, they believe in inverts. I'm like, well, yeah, fuck, of course they believed in inverts. This was almost 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, did you have to... (laughs)
0: There's nothing else for them to believe in. Yeah, yeah. Like
1: you, I, I don't know. New like,
0: concepts weren't brought, brought forward. You only know what you.
1: You even see know. that today. Like you see people today that like we we put ourselves in these rigid boxes, and then we when we progress by past those boxes, mm-hmm. people are stuck behind. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's believed that you could if you're if you're gay, then that's it, a hundred percent. And mm-hmm. if you decide later, like. Look at you. Like, you're right. You like, you you embrace the, the uh, identity of lesbian and then mm-hmm. you marry someone who transitions. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that do for your box?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to be said for boxes. I feel like I, I, for me personally, I, um, this is what I think this is what Evan wants me to say. So I'll say it. No, I want you to <laughs> say what you want to say. No, I know, but this is where you're getting at. Right. Um, Uh, I think for me in like my early twenties, um, I needed to like really embrace like being a lesbian because I felt so unseen. Um, and so like, I don't know, and being seen felt good. Um, and, uh, but just because I embraced that more heavily and I, you know, I had a girlfriend and I was out and all those things, but like that didn't, um. So that's all people see. But then obviously when Evan transitioned, I was still perfectly fine. And like, it didn't make me question my sexuality as much as it made everybody else question my sexuality. Oh, yeah. Because it, it changed that box for them.
1: You yeah. Know? Well, that's what I mean, though. So. But what I think that what the danger comes is when we... They People act like this was so offensive then, mm-hmm. but we do the same thing today. We say things like, I'm born this way. And there's some truth in that, but there's also the idea that as a society, we have to be a certain way. And the same thing still applied 100 years ago. People believed, People just believed a little differently. They're like, I, I believe that be- I'm attracted to women because some part of me is male. Right. Mm-hmm. And then today we'll say we'll do the same thing. We'll put ourselves in this rigid box. And then when something or someone comes along that challenges that suddenly we don't know what to do. The reality is that gender and orientation are fluid. They just mm-hmm. are. You don't. I mean, that doesn't mean you're ever going to you are ever going to have an experience that challenges that. I'm just telling you it's fluid. It just is. It's true.
0: There's also the arguments that the well erases bisexuals and repeatedly bi erasure was a large problem during this time period and continues to be a problem today. However, especially in the early years of sex and gender research, there was almost no belief that a person could be attracted to more than one gender. While it is important to address the bi erasure in the well, it is more indicative of the time period and teachings around gender and orientation than the biases of the author herself.
1: Yeah, I just didn't feel like that was Hall's fault that there was bi erasure. I felt like that was like just a time period of not realizing that people could be attracted to both. Yeah. You know. However, there is legitimate complaints to be made about Hall's disdain of feminine lesbians. Stephen's love interest, Mary, is treated as a child throughout the book, despite the fact that she's only 10 years younger than Stephen. The two begin their relationship when Mary is in her mid-20s and Stephen is in her 30s. And while there is something to be said for a maturity difference, the way Stephen handles Mary is uncomfortable at times. Feminists and lesbians have pointed out to long-standing prejudices that treat femme lesbians as not real or just going through a phase. Stephen's character seems to adapt this seems to adapt this thinking and it appears hall did the same in her relationships with una and eugenia um so it's very it's like i guess one thing like she meets mary i think mary's like 18 or 19 and they meet during world war Mm one and then she kind of treats her like okay kid come along and then they fall in love like mary's like in her mid-20s they fall in love Mm -hmm. then we're getting like mary's in her 30s and Hall or, um, and uh, Stephen's still talking to her as Dear Child, and she treats her like she's Ew. this little kid the entire like time. That. I'm like, all right, well, you're sleeping with this woman, and you're building a life with her, and you st- constantly treat her like she's incapable of thinking for herself. In fact, the book ends with... Stephen making this huge decision for Mary because she acts like Mary couldn't possibly make the decision on her own Mm -hmm. Uh, and and so it goes in this whole thing where like you treat femme lesbians like they're just infants and when they grow up they'll become butch lesbians
0: I guess it or or you just eh, I guess it's like I assume that homosexuality in earlier years is still so constrained to those boxes right Mm. like Um, like Stephen is a butch lesbian and is attracted to this femme lesbian. And so the femme lesbian must be taking on the role of the woman and Stephen must be taking on the role of the man, even though they are presumably two women in the relationship. But like, even though you've you've paired in a same sex relationship, I assume that same sex relationships back there still were like following the box of society's norm, you know, because that's what you know. And like, I mean, that still happens today. Yeah. Right. Like it's so hard to break your boxes
1: so then that points to the sexism of again like mm-hmm. you represent the woman so you don't make the decisions and, yes. and you're weaker and mm-hmm. i represent the man so mm-hmm. i'm more masculine which mm-hmm. again in the well that does happen where steven constantly is refers to herself as the male or just flat out refers herself as a man mm-hmm. and then therefore she makes the decisions yeah um so i'll get to the last paragraph in a minute but what i want to say before we leave so that that's basically the well um and, you know, actually, I'll, I'll read. you want to read that now and then we're, we're going to have a oh, couple I'd of questions. I'd be happy to read that. Go ahead.
0: The Well of Loneliness is certainly not perfect. And one will always wonder how popular it truly would be had it not been so heavily censored and banned for so many years. But regardless of its shortcomings, we cannot discount the impact Hall's writing has had on our society and the visibility it has brought to lesbians everywhere. Your recommended resource is, of course, The Well of Loneliness. And because copyright laws have run out on the 92-year-old novel, we have been able to include a link for you to read the book for free online. Just go to yourqueerstory.com and click The Well of Loneliness at the bottom of our page, and it will link you to the page.
1: Sorry, it will link you to the website. (laughs) Whatever.
0: Um, We also suggest the biographies, The Trials of Radcliffe Hall by Diana Suhami, or Radcliffe Hall, A Woman Called John by Sally Klein.
1: So that is, we. I really suggest you go on there, read it online, listen to it, or read about Radcliffe Hall and herself. She's a pretty fascinating character. Um, but because, again, lesbian, I want to touch on a part of lesbian visibility that is often erased or not talked about. So just what would you say to someone? If someone is dating an individual, they identify as a lesbian, And they date someone who's transitioning. What's some advice that you would give to that person? Or what's something that helped you along the way? Um, She's getting up to get our dogs that they can't be apart from us.
0: Um, So the biggest thing uh, when Evan first started transitioning that bothered me was that, again, okay, I'm going to use a grocery store analogy again. Um, Just because it's the only place I've gone in the past five weeks. Um, (laughs) uh, So when I used to, say, go to the grocery store and I bought something, whatever it may be, and the cashier was like, oh, you really like these sunflower seeds. Perfect example. And I'd be like, oh, no, my girlfriend eats them all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So when Evan transitioned, I just stopped using that word, of course, and I had to then you know, when Evan comes up in conversation, well, first it was fiance, which was pretty gender neutral, but now it's husband. Um And for me, that like that sucked because, again, being more feminine, if you I have air quotes around that um, to not put myself in a box, but whatever, being more um, feminine people in society, assume you're straight until proven otherwise. And of course, using male pronouns now is just erased My sexuality in their eyes But then I realized That the cashier at the grocery store If I was to You know refer to Evan Using opposite pronouns Would not fucking remember the next day Like I was like All these random people That I'm going to say husband to Are not going to like catalog that And be like oh Samantha She's married to a guy Like nobody is going to remember And all the people that I do know like they all know my husband's trans we live very visibly as L- an LGBT couple we're not like Evan's not hiding it that yeah. he's trans in any form um a lot of people we knew before he transitioned so like all the people in my life they know that I'm I'm a queer person yeah. so i don't know once i let that go i'm like well it literally doesn't matter the only time it look well, the only time it gets me a little bit is mm-hmm. like if I'm at if I'm at a store and I and I well, I shouldn't say I know, but I can assume the person is gay and they're talking to me and I use husband then I'm like, oh, that person won't know I'm gay. Yeah, but whatever. But again, that person again, that random person at that random store is also not going to like it does not that fleeting moment of like being visible in the queer community is not a lasting moment. And, you know, the lasting moments in the queer community are still there because everybody in my life knows that I'm gay. So
1: have you um, encountered or like I know that every year we go to the Philadelphia trans conference mm-hmm. in like the past couple of years, you've gone to the, uh, the group for partners of trans people. Mm-hmm. Have you inco- encountered people that their partner, their trans partner doesn't want people to know that they're trans. And so they've struggled with that because then they felt like their identity is erased.
0: Yeah. And yeah. that would
1: suck. Yeah.
0: Like, especially there's, I I met a couple people who dated their partner, pre like, after transition, their partner's stealth or their partner is, like, very passing. They don't, you know, they've, like, moved together to a new city and their partner wants to start fresh, doesn't want anybody to know. Mm. And that would suck. Yeah. Um, But, uh...
1: Was there any advice given to them or was it...
0: Um... Well, I guess the advice, yeah, is that like you're if you're in a relationship with somebody, um, I don't know, I don't want to be controversial, but um, your sexuality is your own sexuality. So if your partner is trying to be, you know, stealth or passing or, or whatever phrase you want to use and they don't want you to. You know be sharing your identity like that's your. well that's not fair
1: yeah you know so you don't have
0: to out your your partner but you also can be like hey yeah i'm bisexual oh i've been with a girl before i've been with a man before or whatever i've been with you know yeah a member of the lgbt community before you don't have to say that that's your current partner if they're passing but like you can still you know celebrate pride and be proud and and all those things for yourself and um you know, and the same to be said for if your partner, that's oh, that's another thing that I didn't think about um, where Ev- when Evan transitioned, he was very nice and that like he let he let me but like he let me talk to a couple of people about it.
1: Yeah. that was, You know, yeah.
0: which was important for me because when he was transitioning, obviously for the first part of it, first couple of years that we talked about it, that was something that just he and I had talked about. But then when he really was going through the motions of medically transitioning and doing all that stuff obviously he hadn't come out to everybody um but he still he came out to a couple of people um close to me and he let me like and I needed that you know so that's the other thing if your partner is transitioning and they don't want you to tell anybody
1: yeah you know, i think that's really they not need to fair. let you tell
0: a therapist at least they need to you need to talk to somebody as well yeah. that's the thing you can't and go
1: through such a huge life change and expect mm-hmm. your partner not to be able to talk to anyone yeah like that's that is I mean, not, your not relationship's fair. not gonna last yeah. you're, you're that's not a healthy relationship mm-hmm. that's not healthy for anybody so i understand that there's a fear and maybe you're in a, a location where it's not safe but like find someone online or something you've got to you've your partner has to be able to talk to people and they have to be able to talk to people in a safe way. Like I've heard, like I was on like some online support groups for a while and I do think there's a lot of value in online support groups, but like some of the groups that I was in, I had to leave because people would get on there and they would just, Bash their partners nonstop And I hated that Mm -hmm. And then people would get on there And they would talk about How they monitored Their partner's conversations They'd be like Yeah well You know She was talking to someone In a a support group And she was venting about this I'm like yeah She's fucking venting That's what humans do Yeah They have to be able To get on there And talk Mm -hmm. about What they're really feeling And process it Mm -hmm. You know So if you're monitoring And you can't let your partner Grieve Or you can't let your partner Talk to people Like It's just not gonna work I mean I'm just sorry if you're not like, and it is, there's also understanding a balance of like th- pronouns are hard. They just are hard mm-hmm. and you've got to be patient. If your partner's really trying, you've got to be patient. I don't know when you start, like you were pretty good early on, but it's not like you never, you always called me he, him. You were pretty good. I, but
0: I was pretty, I mean, I was pretty good at it, but I had had time to slowly get into it. So that yeah. was, that was one thing. Um, and the part of that, I think, is just me. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Everybody's different. Their personality's different, yeah. whatever. Things are harder for some people than for others. But I'll never forget, like, two months. Evan had transitioned for, like, two months. And um, something fell in our roommate's room in the middle of the night. And it slammed really loud. And I mm. woke up and I instantly yelled his, his dead name. Yeah. And I was like... I said it, and then I was like, oh, "Sorry, sorry, 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 sorry." And he was like, "It's okay, it's okay." I was like, "What was that?" Yeah. <laughs> but you know, because it's still it's still in there. I mean, now it's not. Now when I hear his dead name, I I don't even think about him at all. You know, but mm-hmm. or very rarely do I. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was the name I used to use all the time." Um. But <laughs> but oftentimes it just goes f- like fleeting, and I don't even think yeah. about it. Um. But you know, I don't know. You're a human. I mean, words are words. Like. People mess up on all words all the time. Yeah. Look at us reading this podcast.
1: I know people mess up. You got to be patient. <laughs> people learn if you're just patient and and you you give them some love. And I and I just think like people sometimes. Yeah, sometimes people are we're gonna refuse to use your pronoun, but it's knowing when. Like my parents are gonna refuse to use my pronoun, and we know that mm-hmm. your parents work at it. And like here I am, two and a half years later, and and every once in a while I still hear a she, but I know that your parents work on it my
0: parents maybe from family members my parents
1: i once in a while yeah i still hear a she yeah yeah Mm -hmm. for there's one maybe
0: that's just in general but that's what i mean though my
1: point is that i know your parents work at it and i know Mm -hmm. your parents love me and accept me Mm -hmm. and that's just a little slip and like that they're gonna you know Mm -hmm. like that's not how they see me Mm -hmm. so again it's knowing how someone sees you and loves you i i knew your parents loved me and whenever i transitioned it was a it was a big thing but they worked hard at it and that's what I mean you know your parents like married us off I I mean you can't expect
0: oh yeah you can't
1: believe that that's someone doesn't love you I just Mm -hmm. I see people are so hard on their loved ones and then I also see loved ones are so hard on those that transition so it's it's a double street
0: yeah but in terms of, let's get back to lesbians for a second.
1: Yeah, t- t- go ahead.
0: I mean, nothing. I just I built a gate yesterday. So
1: oh, okay. You just wanted to say that one last time.
0: <sighs> yep, I just wanted to get that out there. No, I guess. Um, and it, no, it's true. Talking about, I always felt guilty about that when we were, um, like identified as a lesbian couple. I did feel guilty because I felt like, um, Evan took on a very like, man role yeah masculine role (laughs) surprise surprise um you know and I took on like a feminine role and I always like I don't know feel bad about that but then also you can't feel bad about where you're attracted to yeah like I'm sorry but I'm attracted to like very strong women Mm
1: -hmm. or
0: you know very very gender or very gender like non-conforming like Mm -hmm. that's always been in like she it's is always kind of been my thing. I she don't know. is.
1: We're very different. Our people <laughs> we're attracted to. I think. I mean, I think
0: all people are attractive. I'm just. I mean, I just. It's you just, just human like, you nature very that like some that. people. Some people. Yeah. I. Uh, I think about that when I was a kid. That there was never really anybody that was like, people would have like crushes. You know, mm-hmm. people would have crush on people. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I mean, yeah, they look nice. I, mean, I was watching. Nice. Um. um but I think it was just because butch lesbians are not, like, perceived in media, especially yeah. in the 90s. Oh, God. Um, And so uh, I probably would have found people to be attracted to had they been on TV. But, like, but nobody right, I was no. attracted to no. was on TV. So I, I was always just, whenever people talked about attractiveness, I'd be like, yeah, that person looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you know, you find that anybody can be attractive, but... There's, there's another level, you know, and I never saw anybody I was attracted to on that other level. Well, for a long time. And then when I did, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's sense. what I like. That's
1: yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's like, um, what you call it? Someone put it. I was watching the show, which I suggest on Netflix is called Never Have I Ever. It's written by Mindy Kaling.
0: He just watched this last night for the first time. No, or I watched two, wa- nights, two ago. nights ago.
1: Whatever. My point is somebody, <laughs> they were asking, they're over. like, what's your... <laughs> What's your attractiveness, Kristen Stewart in Twilight or Kristen Stewart in Charlie's Angels? And I was like, Mm. that defines our two different levels. Although I did find Kristen Stewart also very attractive in Charlie's Angels, but, you know... Typically, I'm the Twilight and you're the the Charlie's Angels. Yeah, that's true. That's very
0: true.
1: Anyways, we've gone far too long. (laughs) We have Um, to go grill now. Yes, we don't
0: have to. It's fun. It's and by grill,
1: Samantha is going to be grilling, (laughs) and I'm going to be handing her stuff because that's how our relationship works. I hope all of our lesbians uh, feel seen and valued. And everyone in between. But um, this is for you guys. Next time we're back, we're going to be talking about agender and the gender spectrum. So get excited about that. And then it's going to be our 100th episode, which is crazy. So enjoy. Make sure you check out our Patreon. Remember, hundred
0: episodes of me telling the dogs. Mm
1: -hmm. A hundred episodes of you doing stuff in the background. (laughs) Washing the dishes. Watching TV. Um, Instead
0: of doing our our tagline out.
1: What is the, the what The lobotomy,
0: he, the blah blah blah. How about we sing a song? No. Let's sing a song to go out. Get, okay. Make sure you go to
1: yourcreerstory.com. Mm-hmm. You can watch the free episodes of Et Coffee with Evan. And there, there's still one free behind the Queens that you can listen to. And um, I guess you guys don't get your outro because Samantha's gonna sing a song. Paul, feel free to fade this out whenever you want. What
0: what what's a good prideful song to
1: say? I don't know, honey. You're the one who suggested this. Oh. so Oh,
0: I got I got a good song. Okay, go Very ahead. Very lesbian song. Go ahead. Okay, ready? Do do, do 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 I remember we were driving, driving in my car. Speed so fast, felt like I was drunk. City lights stay out before us and arms. I, I had a feeling that I belonged. I I, I had a feeling I could be someone, be someone, be someone. Okay.
1: Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story.
0: Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory.
1: And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory.
0: See you next week. Bye. Bye.